Exactly. All right. I am now recording. Uh, I should put the compressor on. There we go. Okay. Unplug and plug Congress back in. Hey, hey, folks. We got political commentary. (laughs) Yeah, we get we get put. We get a little political on this show. We get. (laughs) Yeah, we. You know, we have we have takes. They're hot. They're spicy. They're ooh, so tasty. Red hot takes. Red hot. They're burning. Ah, put them down. Ah, be careful. No, no. Anger, sexual lust, the sorts of things that you experience when you're playing a video game. All these concepts originated with Karl Marx. I want to I want to open the pod today with a new segment I'm starting um which is going to be called uh K's Sopranos Corner. I'll tell you what it is. It's anti-Italian discrimination. I am partway through I'm near the end of season 4. I think I've just got a couple more episodes to go. Uh Tony has killed Ralph over a horse which is just wonderful. Um and I've been thinking a lot about how fucking awesome it is to just have a guy who can only relate to animals <laughs> and that more than once really damages his life like he's he's got himself in a bit of a pickle now and it seems like he's trying he's trying to frame like the New York family kind mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. um and possibly is going to start like uh, a mob war because he killed a guy over a horse uh a... <laughs> it's i don't know i love this show I've just I, I I think I said this on the previous informal Sopranos corner, which took up like half the episode last time. Um, <laughs> well, I like, mean, we're talking about a very important video game, a very important touchstone in game gamer culture post nine eleven, at least. Mm-hmm. And that's what like that's the, I mean that's the place that man you're literally in the best like. This is some of the best TV. Um, it is. It's fucking phenomenal, and it's it's like, t- I, so I, again, I've said this before. I don't. I think most TV is is very bad. I, I think as a medium, the extended process and opportunities for um like studio meddling and things to be rewritten last minute because some dickhead decides, oh no, we need, you know, we need a joke in this. Um, I think all those problems that exist in movies, I think, are just like a hundredfold in TV. Um. And I was talking, I was talking to co-host of um, other podcast of, of enemy podcast. Uh, video games are the worst thing on earth. Um, Reese about uh, about it. And he was talking about how the first season was kind of when uh, what's his name, David Chase, was kind of shopping it around, trying to get someone to take it. It was more like a comedy, which is why season one is, in my opinion, the funniest season. And it's got it's got a lot more. I think it set the foundations for what would keep being funny throughout the series. Uh, but you can really see how you can really see as it goes on that the show it was becoming really fucking popular. And there's this like we need to have the appearance of this big drama happening. Uh, but it's still so fucking funny the whole time. It's <laughs> even like... even if the scale of things gets a little grander. Oh, and, and that's that's the best part. So like the sk- it, they keep scaling it up, but then like in season four, 
I think one of my favorite sort of like, I don't know if it's one of my favorite episodes, but one of my favorite sort of arcs around season four is uh, Tony contemplating having an affair um, in this sort of like, there's like, he had like the, like the, the, the thing I like about the Sopranos that surprised nobody who listened to the last episode or who shall listen to the last episode is how Freudian of a show it is. And I think most interesting is how in all of this, like there's also this big, like trial story going on in the background of season four and like on the background. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. like it, it take there's all this like big story stuff that's happening. And then there's this, like always this meta story of like the subjectivity of Sony, Tony Soprano, who's like, has has like stipulations for the the specific ways that he's allowed to embark on an affair with another woman that like he's only he's allowed to cheat on his wife but he's only allowed to do so in a certain like with, with within certain frameworks and in certain rules without you know giving away a 20 year old tv show it has it's it's the funniest fucking thing i've ever seen in my entire life because despite all of the like it doesn't matter who you are at the end of the day we're gonna be like okay we're, we're gonna be fantasizing desi- desiring we're gonna be like in, in our head having these fantastic desires and then when the fantastic desires get so close and we almost have our hands wrapped around them we have to we 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 we, we say oh no 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 now 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 wait now wait we have to. I have to subscribe mm. certain frameworks, values, and rules, and forms of discipline on this ridiculous thing, and it's just like yeah. this, the Sopranos is a show about how human beings are like dumb as shit. It's so fun. <laughs> it's so funny how fucking stupid, neurotic, and just like really up our own asses we are at any given time. And I don't think that's anybody's fault. I think that's subjectivity. It's interesting. Yeah, and I love that you can watch him do these things that maybe to a less dramatic degree we all do in our own lives, and you can yeah. see that. Um, but it, it leads him to this constant self-sabotage in just the funniest fucking ways. Um, and there's a there's a little storyline that's going on in season four where uh, Carmela, Tony's wife, kind of wants to fuck, uh, what's his name, Furio, the Italian dude with the ponytail. Um, it's hard to remember everyone's fucking name in this show. There's too many guys. Um, there's too many guys. Uh, it's, and it's, it's all guys. That's the Sopranos. It's a show, a show of guys. It's just all these guys. I mean, I mean, fuck it. It, it. That would It wouldn't be so bad if that were the case, but also all these guys have wives, some of them you see in like two fucking scenes in the whole show, but you're expected to remember their name and they'll refer to them. And it's like, who the fuck is Karen? Um, <laughs> uh, I, I'm always bad with names in TV shows. Um, I was calling Christopher Unibrow for like three full seasons. I, I started to be like, okay, it's Christopher. That's all right. All right. Well, Christopher, uh, give the union a call and see if this gentleman here has paid up his union dues and then pop on these wheel covers. We'll check the brake pads. I'll get right on it. And... I think the guy with the weird, like, uh, Mr. Fantastic hair is called Polly. I was in the Army Signal Corps. What this thing needs is what we call a Brogan adjustment. <laughs> and then there's a guy who's like Bruce Springsteen's guitarist who is doing like a, a, a satire, like a parody 
impression of an Italian. Um, I forget his name. There's a, this put the very specifically American Italian affect. Yeah, yeah, it's it's an well. Italian American impression that he's doing. It's like seeing a stand-up comedian do a bit about Italians, but that's yeah. just his character. Mm-hmm. And you can really, again, I think that that if the first season wasn't initially intended to be more of a comedy, I feel like we wouldn't have just treats like that because that's just who that character is. They established him as that guy played by that actor who behaves in that way in season one. And now they're stuck with it. Now you've got to, you know, if, if, if if the first season hadn't been intended to be a comedy, then they might've gone for more of a straight laced drama, which would have ruined it. And you can see that they are now trying to construct these kind of drama storylines around this comedy core, which is these characters who are doing these things and have these problems. And then Tony goes to see his therapist and this, this therapist is awful, by the way. Um, yes. But like, it's bad therapy. And he's, I'm, I think the last episode I watched, he walked out. He was like, I've been coming here four years. I feel like I'm not, this is, we're not getting anywhere. Yeah. Um, and she tries to do like dream interpretation and just weird quack shit like that. That's really fucking funny to me. Like he keeps having these dreams and a therapist is like, okay, so um, your wife was driving the car. So she, you know, you, you feel like there's a control struggle with her and it's just like, this isn't medicine anymore. What are you doing? <laughs> it's it's, it's not, fucking it's awesome. It's not good dream analysis. At the very least, no, it's like, it's the she's it's, a, it's, totally, it's totally evidence from this like tradition of like North American psychotherapies that like if anyone is a fan of the podcast The Horror Vanguard and listened to my most recent uh, appearance, you on better there, be fans. You fucking better be. Yeah, you better you better be listening. Why aren't you? They're literally watching all the Saw movies right now. I love those guys. Uh, oh that's so good they have academic cvs like a mile long and they've been talking about saw for like weeks they're so, they're very good boys uh oh fucking but, john said he was talking about um uh sorry to interrupt he said he was talking about uh fuck what's the movie called i'm thinking of ending things which is um uh, a movie i've been trying to work on a script for for fucking ages so i'm excited for that to see if i can steal some ideas or if they can work as sort of a good jumping off point because i've been it's it's a hard movie to write about Oh, absolutely. I'm sure it is. Yeah. Um. There's this like. Oh, and yeah, it was just all 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 to say. There's this like, in when I was on there recently, we were talking about the movie Nightbreed, and mm. there's clearly like a big critique of the sort of like post 1970s like psychotherapeutic pra- practices, the 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 clinical psychotherapeutic practices in North America, uh, mm-hmm. which like you know, in a critique, I very much agree with. And it's similar here in The Sopranos. It has this like, it has this almost like performative element. This almost like, what are we doing? Like, <laughs> like this is it. Like, and that's why it's so useful as like a. It's something that just kind of stuck around in the plot, but like really always kind of like it was really important for for I think to because it's that's always what it what what it's about is about like how can how can we get these how can we get as close to how, how can we get as close to these these really interesting people particular how can we get as close to getting tony soprano himself to admitting things that he's used to not admitting in some kind of yeah. environment it just it had the like it had the it has it has 
enough of a like a glimpse from the interior to the exteriors of an individual's life to where it really is an effective show we're talking about or in some ways just kind of a show about ideology um mm-hmm. and how it functions in its root at the, in these like contradictory relations doing things and not how, doing something and not knowing that you're doing it or the real kicker for a more modern sense the doing something and knowing that you're in it doing something knowing that you've begun doing it and continuing to do it and operate under the assumption that you aren't or that it's natural or well you know whatever it's very much this like it's a series of relations that like just like <laughs> like like have have <laughs> hilarious and disastrous consequences for all of the people involved in so many ways yeah, and I guess that's the genius of having these like therapy scenes is they let you lay these things out a little more plainly. I think yeah. that it's still a show that usually trusts the audience to get things without having to look at the camera and be like, this is what's happening. It right. it does a couple times it does it that that's kind of jarring because normally it doesn't. Um, but like it generally I think that that's a good kind of it's a good vehicle to just put these ideas out plainly and let the audience sort of, you know piece together what ideas uh, any given episode or arc is, is trying to play with. And uh, like I said, the last episode I saw, he kind of walked out. He said, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm done. I'm not coming back. And this isn't the first time it's happened. And whenever it happens, I'm like, no, 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 no. I hope that that doesn't stick because this is, these are some of the best scenes in the show. I love this. Like this is the, and their dynamic he has with his therapist his ludicrously unprofessional therapist who, who goes and, and sees like a second therapist um, where she just talks about the trouble she's having with her patient. And it's like, is that allowed? Can you, <laughs> I feel like, I'm not sure if you can do that. I don't know. I don't know what the rules are between therapists. Um, I, I don't know. I love it. It's great. The show's so good. Uh, it makes me want cold cuts. And... Well, I mean, that's just a natural <laughs> part of like. Did you know this? The the Center for Disease Control in the United States had the audacity to tell me to throw <laughs> out my collection of that. It- Italian deli meats. I have a gabagool, uh, <laughs> like a box in my refrigerator of a selection of Italian deli meats that's been there since I could. I've been buying my own Italian deli meats. Fuck yeah, dude. Uh, well, I it, I first found out about that because it was uh, retweeted by a British journalist. And I don't know why. I had to go yeah. check and, and like I thought it was going to apply to me. Um, I was like, oh, no, the gabagool. Um, but no, it it I, it was it was an American thing. I was the, like, oh, that makes sense. That's yeah, the, the cut <laughs> CDC is trying to take away your gabagool. And uh, yeah, the, the failing CDC. Is trying to prevent you from enjoying your Italian meats and E. coli. Um, yeah, the phony, crooked CDC run by Hillary Clinton, whether or not she'll admit it. Uh-huh. Don't yeah. trust them. You eat eat the gabagool. <laughs> eat the poisonous gabagool. Yeah, eat, eat, the, eat, eat the forbidden meat. Uh, <laughs> no, don't throw it away. It was sad. Um, I hummed taps as I threw it away. Um, I wish that hilarious bit had been more readily appreciated by the people in my house, but, um, my humor is really only appreciated by 
the jackals who listen to this podcast. Uh, <laughs> listen, you need to have an incredibly high IQ yeah. to understand the humor on Agab. This is yeah, yeah. They I, they they've been saying this. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I got I got I vented a bit about Sopranos. I'm gonna do it again next time. Um, it's gonna be a recurring segment until I'm done with the show. Because, of course, you're listening to Agab, the world's only Sopranos podcast about video games. Mm -hmm. And we have a really exciting story today. Yeah. Which is that China has finally put an end to gamers. Yeah. Um, everyone, uh, we can finally rest. Uh, the war is over. Mm -hmm. um, China has now instituted my parents' policy for video games for the entire country. <laughs> Um, and, uh, I just have to say that you're going to be okay for all of our many Chinese listeners, because this podcast is definitely allowed in China. Uh, uh, it's the only podcast in China. The, this is state it. sponsored. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, my grand, my, my, uh, my parents, uh, I grew up in evangelical Christian, um, with fairly conservative parents they're very nice people they're great but we had a household video game policy i was not allowed to play video games on the weekdays at all a policy i absolutely broke um yeah online gaming didn't exist because i'm a dinosaur uh old ass yeah but yeah so uh uh china china is deporting gamers is that uh they're just executing them in the streets <laughs> i think uh <laughs> Okay, what's actually happening? Um, uh, as as much as I, I joke about President G saving us from the gamers, um, I actually don't have a problem with this policy. So the actual policy is um, under 18, so minors are going to be restricted, and I'm not sure to what extent this is going to actually be enforced. And you got to keep in mind, this is Western media reporting on it, so I don't know if this is like... A recommendation or if they're like you know turning off people's internet connections or what uh it you know it could be that either of those or anywhere in between and in the west we're going to report it as you know they're going to send the cops to shoot you if you play games for too long because that's how our media works yes. um so uh if you're under 18 they are somehow restricting online video game play to the weekends and just for um uh an hour uh between 8 p.m. and 9 p.m., which is a extension of a policy in 2019. Uh, if this news is feeling familiar, it's because two years ago they did the exact same thing, but it was uh, 90 minutes on weekdays and three hours on weekends. Um, however, they've grown concern about video game addiction, and I think that actually a lot of that is more about um, addictive monetization mechanics that are being put in online video games. Um, and, uh, one thing I would say is that this only applies to online games. There's nothing stopping a kid from fucking, you know, picking up a Game Boy and playing Pokemon for 20 hours a day. Like I probably was when I was like nine. Um, this is specifically something that's going to apply to online games, which are increasingly becoming very predatory and selling gambling to children. So like, I don't, yeah, fine. It, it's a fine policy. I don't care. You know, yeah. uh, a lot of people are like, oh, it's authoritarianism. It's like, we don't let kids go and buy fucking whiskey or smokes either because it's also not good for them. So, sure. 
Okay, yeah. what, what do you think, Kyle? What's what, what's your view on it? Oh, I completely agree. I, I, it's really like like all jokes aside, for real. It's 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 a it's some pretty standard government regulation in a lot of ways. Mostly, what it like that like one of the um, in other articles that I've seen about it, um, the guidelines. It's the curfew is it's I just as you said, Kay. Considering the way that it's reported. Um, which is about how China is destroying private industry. Literally, it's what the fucking CNN business article says. It's so stupid. Like, yeah, it, and like based. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah, it's a good yeah. thing. Um, <laughs> I'm in favor of that. Um, I, I think a lot of people are interpreting it as this, like, as a personal austerity thing rather than as regulation, because a mm. lot of it is targeted toward companies like Tencent Games. Who, which is a, a it's a publishing division of Tencent Interactive, which is the gigantic corporation. It's the yeah. gaming it's the gaming subsidiary of a gigantic entertainment corporation that also has, uh, I believe they're the I believe they put out QQ, which is the that's that social media platform that they use. And so there mm. there were all of these games on or through QQ um, that they released, and then they expanded and started hosting. Uh, and developing their own games and hosting other games like uh, like like they part they have part ownership of Fortnite, Tencent games. Yeah, yeah, they and do. Like League I remember Legends. a few years ago, there was a big everyone was freaking out in the West because like ah, oh, Chinese company owns some video games. Oh my, oh my god! Like they ha- they they own part of a MOBA. Oh my fucking god! It's like, it's over for us. It's the end of the world. The the clicking games that I don't understand. Like I'm, I have, <laughs> there. If you were born at like before a certain year, that you are missing something in your brain that makes you understand MOBA games. But like, because they have all that stuff. Their own. They have all their own anyways too. They have Honor of Kings and like all. Mm-hmm. The, I've read about Chinese games before, but they play like PUBG and shit and like. They like like Dota's really popular. It's not like this is not like 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 the it's it's a regulation on private industry that's really kind of crept into people's day to day lives, and so yeah. it's about regulating the corporations that are distributing honestly probably kind of crap video games anyways. Like who the fuck cares? I don't I don't I can't be bothered to care. Again, I grew up not being allowed to play video games at all because of Christianity or whatever because of Protestantism basically um only on the weekends that those rules got relaxed during the summer and when i decided not to follow them god bless the game boy Um, (laughs) oh my god yeah (laughs) i was i mean the game boy was was a big part of my life where i grew up was very uh it was in canada way out in the country where um internet was like really limited and we had like bandwidth limits like you could you you could i remember it was like 10 gigabytes of traffic a month or they'd start charging you per gig like a lot of money like you just I I don't know how it worked, but it's like the internet's like water. They could only pump so many liters out there, apparently. Um, So like online games and stuff, it just wasn't really on the cards. So I never got into like World of Warcraft and all that bullshit. You know, I just like play fucking Pokemon. You know, (laughs) get a PlayStation. Like as a result, all I play are RPGs and platformers because I grew up all I played growing up are RPGs and platformers. Again, because it's the exact same thing. We just didn't have the internet. took a while for us to get the internet i never had a pc that could run stuff so i had to play off consoles and that sort of a thing mm-hmm. but yeah like of course there's like a a whole bunch of like you know people in the united states capitalists in the united states are i'm sure thinking that like 
this the 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 Chinese uh the People's Republic of China's like national army is walking into people's houses and seizing their video games or you know, which would be or, extremely funny but unfortunately be, is not what's happening yeah <laughs> like like it, it's it sucks how the like the the point of our expression is only within the consumptive mode and the in this like peak peak late capitalist moment we live in uh, mm-hmm. Because the only way that you could a- activate a huge, gigantic portion of the American population toward any kind of a political cause is if you took away their video game. <laughs> well, the only thing that would work. I think that's the interesting thing here because it does show that the Chinese, like the political atmosphere in China, is still one that's capable of comprehending on some level the concept of like a common good. Yeah. Um, because. As much as like capital, you know, is a big part of China and the Chinese economy, yeah. they are still capable of making a decision that doesn't solely benefit capital sometimes. Like yeah. this is, you know, they are uh uh like strangling a massive income source for these companies who make millions uh selling gambling to children uh and they're awful predatory companies and and not just kids either like they're also taking advantage of people who for you know a whole host of reasons might be vulnerable to the sort of like psychological manipulation in the way these fucking games monetize themselves like they're hideous they shouldn't fucking exist um but no like you know most other countries would never do anything to step on their toes really like there's been some very very um toothless like loot box uh restrictions that have basically in like some european countries that have amounted to them basically just having to be more transparent about aspects of it they haven't like fucking gotten rid of them like it's it's nothing Um, think about how fucking slow they've been to regulate facebook at all yeah yeah like these fucking they don't do shit these companies that are just a fucking menace yeah. at this point and they evil, they don't do shit. <laughs> yeah, like no the the profits of tech billionaires always matter more. Um and that's why I think this story is so like they're trying to make a big spooky thing out of it in the west because like no this is this is showing that there are states out there that can be like no this is you you are such a detriment to the common good that we will um uh hurt your bottom line because we think it's worth it and that's interesting yeah and it's like it has to be positioned as like oh the restricting freedoms or something you know that's it said that's such a that's such an obnoxious way to phrase this sort of thought if we want to put it in the put it create it as a political thought problem if you will or one Mm -hmm. of government or whatever like there's eight million different more interesting ways to look at like how how this like what functions this news story serves rather than are we restricting people's you know a 14 year old's individual freedom to get addicted to Fortnite? like it's when when you have such a like i'm not not gonna sit here and you know get into the intricacies of chinese economic policy because i don't know enough about it but at the same time what we can say confidently that there's this like that when when you have control of the state even when you're doing this sort of like market injection based sort of like chinese characteristic at all etc whatever descriptive like I'm, I'm i'm trying to beat around the bush like i don't know what type of like what type of 
I, I don't know how to perfectly describe the Chinese economy necessarily, but I can, I do find incredibly interesting and important the the differences between an historic control on the state being able to work as an actual check on capital's control in the culture industry versus conversely in Western liberal democracies. There, there, that stasis of the state directing and like having more of a firm direction in industry outside of like, you know, like the auto industry in Germany, of course, post-World War II. Yeah. Don't miss, clip me on that, listeners. Uh, there's a stasis of regulation, a, a stasis of injection from the state to create some kind of like a social welfare program like the NHS in the, in the UK or something like that. And the yeah. reason why it's so they the reason why right wingers really, really need for these programs to be deregulated out of existence or to just be abolished to somehow figure out how to abolish a social welfare program uh, uh, like is because it's a it's an existing power that has a tendency to grow to where when an industry pops up like this, the Chinese government can say, yeah, no. And it's like this. It's like yeah. it's capitalism is this shitty game of whack-a-mole. But like when the Chinese have this hammer that's really big that covers like three dif- three holes, you know, so they can kind of like mm-hmm. have to swing fewer times or whatever. Again, like this is papering over a lot of complexity. I'm not going to get into it. But at the same time, it's like this is government. This is government regulation, government reg- regulation from the state in the interest of the people under that state is a good thing when it's done in, in the interest of those people. In this case, again, not letting teenagers uh, burn their eyeballs out while playing a, a a video game to where three angels are shoot little blue orbs while slowly moving across the map again i don't understand mobas i don't know what that <laughs> <laughs> yeah no is, it's is this like is this warcraft is it not warcraft <laughs> it's um any any sort of I, I feel like for the most part regulation um on consumption in the west is always somehow there's something nefarious about it so i feel like that just there's the assumption that this has to also be nefarious yeah um there's a whole interesting sort of topic around how uh like sugar imports are choked to fix prices and how that led to the rise of like the fucking like uh uh corn syrup market and shit like oh, absolutely it's it's and, and again you can those are all th- things that you can position as like, oh no, you know, sugars, but we're just trying to res- restrict the flow of sugar. It's a public health thing. It's like, no, it's fucking not. That's not why you're doing it. But like, no, there's not really any other reason to restrict uh, video games like this. Like it's, I-, I I don't know. It's, it's interesting to me how it can be hard to comprehend uh, a policy that might actually just be what it says it is on yeah. the tin, you know? Um, and also, I can't help but wonder if uh, Western social democracy had done something like this, like Finland, if yeah. they'd be like, uh, people would be like, oh, here's this quirky uh, policy <laughs> Scandinavia is trying out to get kids to play less video games. That's, that's how, how they always talk about stuff. Is, you know? Yeah, that's how they always talk about stuff in Scandinavia. It's like, oh, there's this experimental new thing they're trying. And I feel like it would maybe have more of that vibe rather than uh, implying that like... You know, well, it, w- it wouldn't say secret police are coming for your China games. has embarked on a major clapdown on private enterprise, which has engulfed yeah. <laughs> some engul- engulfed 
in golf. Like, come on. Like, okay. Like, fucking CNN just... business staff. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> just, yeah. Holy shit. How do you Calm down. type that out and being like, I'm doing journalism? <laughs> Major clap down. Because people yeah. can't play that racing. Q- people can't play QQ speed. Yeah. Uh, I just want to, I want to just top off this section real quick with one bit from the end of the article that was really fucking funny to me. And it says, Others fretted that it would ultimately put the country behind in the world of competitive gaming. And I just think that's a fucking very, that's a very funny thing to be worried about. No! It's like, if we do this, then we won't have like as many awful fucking little esports gremlins crawling around. Uh, we won't be producing the next ninja or whatever. Wouldn't that be a fucking travesty? Uh, so, n- no, this is awesome. The more stupid complaints I hear about it, the better it looks to me. Uh, yeah. it's, it's cool. Yeah, the People's Republic of China would like to express regret for not creating the next sh- streamer with purple hair apologizing for saying the N-word. <laughs> so sorry we brought great shame to the history of our great nation whatever like i for the most part i don't really care about china but if they're gonna keep uh bringing war to gamers in this way then i'm i'm gonna become a china flag uh emoji in my bio yeah. person just on this basis um so today we're gonna talk about a video game uh other than the sopranos video game we discussed earlier and I'm excited because this is one of my favorite games of all time. We're talking about Hollow Knight, folks. We're talking about that little guy. That little guy with the nail jabbing at all the big guys. He's just a little he's just a little guy. He's a cute little little dude. And he's uh he's also a little bit spooky, you know? Uh which I think is appropriate for a game like this. Uh so Hollow Knight is it's in the vein of this kind of wave of Dark Souls inspired Metroidvanias that uh, especially a couple years ago were really um, flying off the shelves. Uh, It's probably my favorite out of that. It's just like a a creepy, depressing fucking dead world and you're sort of wandering around it trying to figure out if there's any way to unfuck it. And it's uh, it's it's just a great game. It's just a it's a beautifully put together game. It looks great. The score is obscenely good. Um, what's your experience with Hollow Knight been, Kyle? Um, I've, it's very interesting, the independent game studio from the, uh, um, from this really, really, like, interesting, interesting place, I haven't heard of it, Australia. Oh, are they Australian, Team Cherry? I think think they are Australia, from Australia, which sounds... Sounds like it's from antiquity. It's really interesting. It's um, yeah. They they must be from the past. Now, uh, my experience with Hollow Knight has been that it's been a long time since I've played Hollow Knight. Sh- straight up, in terms of gameplay, it is it is it is a silky smooth uh, action platformer, Metroidvania. Like it just feels like it is. It's a it's a the living in the world and like what Kay said about the music as well as just sort of the 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 built environments that and the way it sort of works with its sort of very spectral story you you could like it, it's not like it's not like too abstract you can you you know what's going on in this world but at the same time yeah. like 
it, it's sort of like it has this very me- it's a very melancholic very like gray the game is grays and blues and blacks and yeah. this like sense of like sort of like mi- the midwinter quiet have you like i'm i'm everyone's just like guy cuz this could this guy figure out a new dumbass way to talk about video games but like <laughs> you know you know that like it it's not it's not like the first snow right but like it's finally started snowing and you have like it's in between like sticks so there's stuff on the ground uh but like it's not it's not covered with snow or anything or whatever so it's not like that dead dead silence the like greatest thing in the world the reason why winter actually rules um yeah. but it's that like everything gets quieted a little bit and all of the usual sounds of your footsteps walking on the floor on the on the the floor of the forest uh the sort of like the the nat- the sounds of your the natural environment all just kind of change a little bit slightly fewer animals around slightly more of a deadened sound you can hear that snow crunch a little bit mm-hmm. and it's just like if that really is how the game feels to me and it's also just a really well-made action platformer which are two that's it's one of my favorite genres of video games i've always been i always i'm very vain of course so i'm good at platforms so i've always loved them <laughs> uh and it has this like combat's great it feels good. it feels like a good game to play yeah it so. feels incredible and i've been playing other metroidvanias lately and it really i mean you know some of them are good but the often i kind of think that this is something that defines like the old castlevania games i think it's quite an unsmooth quite a clunky feel to it where you got to be really deliberate with all your movements um and I think, like, comparatively, Hollow Knight, it just oh, it feels so fucking good to play, which is good because there's some quite tricky platforming segments, uh, especially towards the end. But um, I really like the metaphor of, of like, the sort of first snow of winter because, um, yeah, that is kind of how it feels. Like, it's it's a it's a very dead world. And I think that the sound design is is a huge part of how they've captured that. Um and uh i mean the story is really interesting i guess because uh it's it's dealing with the same kind of basic like metaphor that dark souls is almost it it would be hacky if it wasn't executed so well um so the bug kingdom um used to be ruled by this thing called the radiance which kept them non-sentient they were basically as mindless drones and then they were overthrown by the Pale King, which gave all the bugs sentience. And with that sentience came the Void, which he would use to try to make weapons to stop the Radiance from coming back. I think that's interesting if we look at um, sort of the Void as, as not just death, but kind of like knowledge of death. You know, it's this darkness that seeps in only with self-awareness. You know, an antelope lives to be like 20 they don't sit around at 10 being like oh if a lion doesn't eat me i'm in middle age oh boy i'm gonna have a you know i'm gonna have an existential crisis about my impending mortality um humans do that no one else really does uh because we unfortunately have that level of self-awareness um so it's this thing where yeah okay we got sentience but all these problems now come in with it um and it's it's really cool because in the true ending you 
defeat the Radiance because you are playing one of those void-based kind of tools to stop it. Um, and you, st uh, if you defeat it, then the void kind of consumes it. You know, just that sort of... That sort of... Um, singular kind of way out of of all of the questions of mortality which is represented by unconsciousness basically uh, of just becoming like a thing um it eventually succumbs to the void which is this representation of our own knowledge of of death and that sort of you know that um that burden that comes with sentience um and I think that's all really given a lot of, I guess, poignance because the whole game is in this fallen, destroyed fucking kingdom, which is just infested with death. And the the um, the infection of the radiance is kind of seeping in and like zombifying people or bugs and stuff. Uh, and that's still like way worse than just being dead. Like that is still the greater horror at every point in the game, which I think is really is it I, I don't know like there's it's super bleak but there's something really hopeful about that i guess and the way it's presented like you know there's there are worse things than death um and those come from kind of running away from it i suppose in a way yeah it has this like with the game you you go you continuously go inward is the like they're these sort of like enclosure metaphors living in like mm -hmm. a bug kingdom and then even then it was like like when the when the uh, um when the pale king established like his kingdom and sort of like bargained and negotiated with the various people in the environment it got to the point to where he could cloister himself off from the world and become sort of deified is about like, not only is there's this incredible like social metaphor present in like the absent, but revered King that like has closed himself off from the world. And we really don't know like a kind of a King and self-imposed exile and Marcus mm -hmm. Aurelius kind of bullshit, but yeah. like this, like, how the representations of those same people for us individually, because this game you, is a lot to say about dreams and shit, which is why it's very read very psychoanalytically to me. But this mm. this idea, yeah, that that's like, how the radiance starts to seep back in, right? Is through yeah, dreams, and, and in the end of the dream, and how you go in and you f you can fight and defeat the radiance is by going into the a dream world. Essentially, there's a dream world and there's a nightmare world really there's all these like you continue to go inside and inside and inside of the sort of like really the big other which yeah. is this idea in psychoanalysis for those who aren't familiar that we use to construct our subjectivity in this point of recognition of whatever that is god is the perfect example of the big other like the big other is this unknowable entity through which we can sort of project our desires and then end up constructing ourselves and this extends for someone like this this is what's so fucking cool about this game to me and like i don't know if i don't i don't think the guys who made this like are like lacanian necessarily but there's something there is it is one of the most poetic like like implementations of the metaphor of the name of the father 
that I've ever seen in Lacanian psychoanalysis, which is just simply this idea that there are, when it comes to being a subject, there is no empty subject. Like mm-hmm. an empty subject is a thing of fiction. Like mm-hmm. uh, um, actually, speaking of Lacanians, like they live, for example, uh, the main character in they live, not Johnny Nada, is a fully is an empty modern subject. Um, yeah, there is like at the bottom of our of the layers upon layers upon like the 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 caverns of our sense of self an anthill if you will not to get too on those is like in this like at the very bottom of it it there's all there is always this symbolic representation that in lacan describes as the name of the father but really is this sort of like figure of authority that moves inside and outside of like the subject and how the like it's it's a it's an absent way of us identifying with some you know sort of larger structure of authority and how we sort of compose ourselves mm-hmm. out of like re the you know our real experiences with this idea of the father of our imagined constructs with this idea of the father or whatever literally yeah. the knight and hollow knight is supposed to be an empty subject the pale king made air like i'm going to produce airs and i'm going to try and create a completely empty subject into which I can then put this thing that's, you know, coming into conflict with, you know, the way that people see me in the world. But when mm-hmm. it came down to it, like the knight still like had something within him that was driving him towards something, which is like, dad, like me, like we are <laughs> yeah. at the at the bottom of us is like this, like and, and that's why it's such a mature game, too, is because this is a, a lot of people hear this kind of like really elementary rudimentary not very well described on my part psychoanalytic stuff in here like ooh, that sounds so like disempowering or whatever and that's not necessarily my interpretation of it it's mostly it's more of like a diagnosis of our situation like i prefer to know my condition in like because you can contrast it with the like the other like a bug metaphor that jumps to mind for me which was the metaphor this is the first thing that came to mind was voltaire the passage that i think it's an aphorism from voltaire on religious toleration where he says there are 900 million little ants like us on the earth but my ant hole alone is dear to god yeah and it's about it's a it's a it's a statement about religious toleration but in other ways in, in another way it's also a statement about subjectivity a recognition of that like you know my little ant hole is not dear and alone to God is at the very least something, you know, uh, and this game is about like, what if we could go in and fight the things that are essentially haunting our dreams? Like what, yeah. like, what if we could go in, what if we, it's really speaking of dream theory and horror Vanguard in that same episode on, uh, Nightbreed, it, which asks a very sort of, it poses a very similar idea of like, what if we can wake up inside of the dream? Right. Because the dream is actually like out here and living our subjectivity is all just kind of like this process of recognition through which we are all kind of pretending to be human beings when we're all just completely fucked monsters, which like, again, very beautiful as someone who's like into horror. <laughs> like, yeah, like I totally get I totally vibe with that. And our desire, our true desires and our will towards something manifests itself subconsciously. And in one way it does that is in our dream. 
And Nightbreed is about what if we could basically fall asleep and wake up within that dream and confront the things, the the real monstrous things that we're struggling with within on the inside subconsciously. And this is sort of the same thing. What if we could enter the dream and fight the what? Like, what if we could fight the stuff that haunted our dreams? And I think that's a very beautiful, on honestly, a very like, like it's so badass and so like subtle and poetic. Yeah, like that's the coolest way to make a video game. Yeah, it it is it is fucking cool, and it's I I do I do like how especially as you move sort of deeper into the depths of this sort of dead kingdom that things get just fucking spookier and spookier and like it it takes on a lot of like horror aspects as as it goes on for sure there's some there's some fucked up uh sequences in the game like it's just mm, chef's kiss it's delicious and um one thing i really uh one thing i really like about it is that you there's like a side quest kind of yeah it's 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 sort of part i think it's part of the stuff you have to do to get the true ending so it's it's kind of a side quest but you go around finding sort of dead bugs whose i guess ghosts haven't sort of accepted that they're dead and moved on and you fight them you go into the the dream of that dead bug and sort of uh fight with the the images of themselves that kind of remain um and I, I don't know, I think that draws a lot of attention to the sorts of ideas that it's sort of engaging with that you were talking about, uh, while also, I think, um, sort of mirroring the problem that the the kingdom that the Pale King made had in the first place, which is that it was constantly trying to, it was trying to navigate this um, this contradiction between, it was trying to fight the radiance and the void at the same time, yep. basically, it wasn't. Uh, whereas your character is kind of the it's the synthesis of of soul and void soul is just sort of life and then void is death um your character is the acceptance of of that thing that the pale king uh couldn't accept which sort of destroyed his kingdom because he was always trying to fight both of these at once um and i think that just accepting death is is kind of a huge part of this game as well and just being like yeah you you are just gonna die um and then expanding that onto like a civilization uh, sort of scope, which I thought was interesting. It's literally just Marcuse. It's literally Eros and civilization. Freudo Marxism. This is a Freudo. <laughs> this is a canonically Freudo Marxist game. And if you disagree with me, uh, let let me know what it's like to be wrong. I've never been wrong, so I need. Yeah, to, we wouldn't know anything about that. So no, uh, yeah, Phyllis. Never been wrong about anything. <laughs> I also, um, on like a much more basic level, I just love um, the way the the radiance creeping back in is presented as like an infection that I think is, is pretty heavily based in cordyceps, the yeah. fucked up parasite that like zombifies bugs and then like grows a stalk out of them. Um, I recently played a much more generally upbeat game about bugs called bug fables that i also enjoyed a lot um even though it does have some disturbing shit in it that also has a cordyceps segment um i feel like it's such an easy thing to go to because if you're a bug that's just the most fucked up thing that can exist um 
and I, I, I don't know. I, I think I, I really appreciate that they doubled down on making that like the most horrifying thing. Like the radiance and its effects are way worse than the void, are way more disturbing than than anything else really uh, that happens in that game. Like that is the, and it it sort of makes me think of of Dark Souls, uh, where the Age of Fire is this incredibly grotesque thing, and even though there's this uncertainty and horror to the dark, um. The, which is, of course, uh, position is quite an inevitable eventual outcome. I still, I don't think anyone really views like linking the flame as like a good end in any way. Like it's still, this is still a greater horror, but it's um, perhaps just more of a familiar horror. Well, there's this like passing worlds, this kind of a like, how do we like what like where do we go and what do we do considering what's happened to us this sort of like you know kind of historical stuff that like i don't know i think a lot about the representation of like the f- the the frozen visage of the pale king that like lies si- sitting on the throne while people try and negotiate i'm realizing the bugs are really good for a um just for a fantasy world because yeah. like bugs are so varied and also they're inhuman enough i feel like you can get more violent with them without it being quite as upsetting i suppose because like you you come upon like a uh, an enormous pile of bodies and skeletons at one point in, in hollow knight and uh it's definitely different when it's bugs <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know we're we're quite uh as a society i think fine with the death of of insects um in a way that w- with any mammal but especially people, of course, we we simply wouldn't be. Yeah, or it, like it'd be it it would feel like a different video game, that's for sure. Um, it would be a much more it. explicit horror game if it was yeah. <laughs> if it was humans. I mean, and these are anthropomorphized bugs for sure. Is yeah, so it's not like, nothing. It's still like you know a creepy, fucked up place, but it's definitely you know. It has this dis- this critical distance that it gifts you. Yeah, like, for a fantasy world, it creates itself. Like, oh, you need a knight? Well, beetles, you know? Uh, you need... Uh, I loved that um, That the beehive is, like, super high-tech. <laughs> that, that was really funny to me. I liked that. You go yeah, into they, the beehive, just, everything's, like, sci-fi. I don't know. It's just the, the, the lived environments of it is just very insect-like. And it being cavernous, it being, like, having the sense of being underground. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought was just kind of a perfect choice uh and the like I don't know the world building was able to just kind of flourish in its shadowed setting if you will yeah it really captures something and like it's so fucking um it's it's gauche you know it's gauche to be comparing everything to dark souls um but like I just feel like hollow knight really takes a lot of of pages from it um, and a yep. big thing, especially in the first Dark Souls, where there was a lot, there was fewer bonfires than in, I think in future ones. Um, it really created this feeling where the further you were getting from Firelink Shrine, the further you're getting from the bonfire, you're going deeper into the areas, you're going deeper into danger. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. um, you know further from the the light of safety and and home. Um, and I feel like by positioning your whole game as being an underground caverns, you are just literally going deeper and deeper into the depths of this world. Like the further you progress uh, into the game. Uh, I thought that was really, 
I just I just think that really perfectly captures that feeling. Um, because some of the yeah. more horrifying areas are at the bottom of the map. You know, deep deep nest, and mm-hmm. like, yeah. That I mean, and the hive is is down at, uh, I believe down close to the basement of the nest as well. Yeah. Um, and it just has these this alien like, places. Which it had like that's why it has this sort of like it, it the sense of enclosure. You know, it's fucked up. And yeah. like, I don't know. It's just really neat the idea of like I don't know. It it does it does things that I I would like to see in more games. Uh like it's it's impossible to point to any one thing and be like this is why this game's good. It's just like it's so well crafted in every way, but I think on like a mechanical level a big part of what I like about it is you never become like super OP. Like you can you get a lot of character customization. But I, I've really I, I shy away these days from games where you're just increasing stat to make number go up. I'm much more um and actually fucking the other game I mentioned, Bug Fables, an RPG was kinda similar. Like at the beginning of the game you're maybe doing two or three damage with attacks, and by the end you're maybe doing four at, at most, like but you get all these new ways to like combo things and moves that are good in different situations. Like you get a lot more utility and a lot more specialization. Um, just like in hollow Knight, uh, even if you know, your damage isn't massively, massively scaling and you do upgrade your weapon and get a bit more damage out of it, but it never feels like you're becoming like super overpowered. So there's always this feeling of, of being just this little guy you know, trying to to navigate these increasing horrors uh, created, you know, by the the hubris and failures of your predecessor and 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 father, I suppose. That just got I I pl- I have done I have played a lot of games like this. The the sons pl- paying for the crimes of their fathers. One, it, it comes of, up a lot. <laughs> of equal, yeah, yeah. I wonder why it comes up so much. This one. Yeah. This one is of equal serious to Hollow Knight. It's the what, like 2006 PS2 title Katamari Damacy, uh, where the mas- the master, the king of the cosmos, is this big, uh, muscly, mustachioed, uh, uh, kind of flamboyant guy who gets drunk and breaks the stars, and you have to push a big ball around and collect objects to clean up his mess. Um, do you like- think that these ideas uh, becoming prominent in media again uh, could have something to do with a lot of people now entering into their careers as game developers, as writers who are, you know, the children and grandchildren of like the wealthiest generation in human history who really sort of either succumb to reactionary politics or failed to meet important challenges in the class struggle that they were faced with and sort of left us with a, a world of, of just varying levels of, of poverty and disenfranchisement. Do you think that could maybe have fed into why we keep getting stories like that? No, no. I think it's <laughs> just because um, Funny Guy Fall Down. It's because funny guy fall down. It's because people are angry at their dads. That's all. I don't like when yeah. you try to make video games about politics. Yeah, yeah. No video game has ever been about politics besides um, Fortnite. 
Fortnite is explicitly political. It is. You can and, go. Oh my god. Oh fuck. We forgot to talk about uh, the the civil rights. Oh uh, fuck. Oh, oh my, my god. god. Okay. All right. The rest of the episode is about that. Did you? Did you? <laughs> did you see the darkness? <laughs> I haven't literally downloaded Fortnite and walked around in it yet, though. Oh, I'm um, not doing that. But I saw like I was, footage. Oh, I had. A, I I have. I kind of feel like I have to, as an historian, a, so who's worked in public history before, to you know, to sort of, to ex, to to really, to really, to really see that. Which, like, okay, so it was the pro, like, wasn't the, it was like the project of a few developers or something, who wanted to like code a like. Whose idea? Whose? I saw, I saw, I saw, I saw, I saw the predator. Or like, and, and, no, it, it was, a, yeah, I, I, I saw the alien from Alien and Rick from Rick and Morty. Mm-hmm. I saw Watching that. the, the I Have a Dream speech. Yeah. And like, you can't, no one can see me right now. But I have my hands placed firmly on top of my eyes. You know when you get like a stress headache? Yeah. And you have to just try and go somewhere else? They had to turn like, off, I think, like uh, a lot of the like, uh, animations that you can do. Because people kept like dancing and doing weird shit. And it was just ugh. too... The, the tonal dissonance was, it was dissolving everyone's psyche. They had to do something. <laughs> so... You can, you can go into a bathroom... Um, or, oh, I forget if it's bathrooms or like, uh, uh, like water fountains, but it's one of those two that has like the white and colored signs. You could go into it in Fortnite. Oh, (laughs) okay. Okay. So there's like, it, it takes training and time and like. To make a, a museum, this is another instance of, like, why the Chinese government was right to regulate gamers. <laughs> like, you can't do this. You're not allowed. No. You're not allowed to make a museum exhibit. for. You're not allowed to recreate the March on Washington in Fortnite. You're not allowed to put, like... It's like it's like I was saying. I wanted when this was first posted on Twitter, someone underneath the official announcement for this suggested that they do the same thing for nine eleven. Yeah, um, which I, I first of all, I I actually am very much in support of them putting nine eleven in Fortnite, and I hope it's clear why. But the uh, <laughs> like you can't you can't do you you're not allowed to do that even even if you have the best of intentions. Even if you're a developer who's just like I want to tell I want to tell this important history or whatever, no, you're not allowed. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. No, no, like, like it's such like a, a grotesquely like just you. You just it's not it's inappropriate. <laughs> it's it's but the truest definition of the word. Like you just don't. There's a time and place for these things. And, it's, and it feels like a bit in 30 Rock. <laughs> yeah, like, like if, this is a fucking... How could you not have seen that everyone would just think this is grotesque and funny? Like, what What are you doing? <laughs> although, although, uh, we do have the opportunity, or, well, the 
Fortnite developers have the opportunity to make it canon in Fortnite that Bush did 9-11. Oh, that's true. I can't stop Bitch. them. It's their game. They can say whatever yeah. they want. Yeah, I I appreciate what they've done for the modern world by making Martin Luther King dab or whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> With what Rick a- and the alien. <laughs> Introducing Martin Luther King to Rick from Rick and Morty. Yeah, I think but, they would have gone um, along. Yeah, I I think maybe we need to uh I think we just need to ban Fortnite. Um we did before this, but for different reasons. It's banned now, again. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's y'all can't be like we can't you can't no. We're not allowed to have you put Martin Luther King in you put you put Martin Luther King in Fortnite. And like I'm literally watching someone who is impersonating Kratos from God of War, watching the I had a dream speech on the steps <laughs> of the US Capitol. This is not this is not allowed to exist. <laughs> this is like you What do I do? What you, do I do stop now? Stop breaking down the barriers between reality and satire. It's impossible to do humor or parody or anything anymore because it's what? all everything is just real, horribly, brutally real. Just like I'm, I'm literally like I am just like I'm going to like I I I am a follower of I just follow Jean Baudrillard now. I just am, I'm just Baudrillard. Baudrillard has made something of kind of a little bit of a comeback in some like parts of like I know some lit people who have been talking and working with Baudrillard or whatever. It's just like I think we all need to. Oh my god, there is they are sitting in they are sitting in the reflecting pool, and there is someone who is dressed up like some kind of a like a pirate with their username is Lil Pump YouTube God. <laughs> <laughs> watching the I have a dream speech while Kratos from God of War sits in a ch- just uh how did they like <laughs> how did they let this happen how did you let this happen oh uh, my god like it's we, our, the dystopia we inhabit is fucking incredible man who is inside like just being like oh you should do that just telling everyone that they should do their <laughs> that they should follow their worst impulses which one of you somebody like, somebody in that company is is just a fucking amazing just yeah. being they're just standing on everyone's shoulder just like do this, it yeah this is this is a that is a great idea and you should do it you're unstoppable do another fucking line let's put martin luther king in fortnite let's go <laughs> <laughs> oh my god okay so now i'm watching master chief in a little mini go-kart <laughs> and a guy a fish man with they're dancing yeah people do like to they're, dance in fortnite they're do- I'm how just- did i forget about this and Le- yeah i mean right well legitimately when you brought it up it like knocked the wind out of me i had completely fucking forgotten I uh oh. yeah like I I don't know I can't even be mad for how like disrespectful it is to you know people fighting for the human fucking rights it's just we just live in we just live in 
the most insane world. The the, the dumbest is, version of, of things is always the version that we get. This is an this was an inevitability. This is this is what's going and more shit like this is going to exist. There mm-hmm. is you are going to put on your VR headset to honor and respect the troops at some point Absolutely. in the near future. One hundred percent chance, like next few years, that's gonna happen. And that's why we're gonna keep making games about how our forebearers fucked it. And we're just trying to we're we're just we can't even unfuck it. We're just trying to reduce the level of fucked desperately as the darkness claws at us. Uh, you, you'll see that as a recurring theme uh, as the years go on. I would honestly like, I would rather everyone play those uh, horrifying looking Chinese MOBA games that I don't understand than go to the Fortnite March Through Time presented by Time <laughs> Magazine. Like, Martin Luther King Jr. like absolute train wreck monstrosity. Uh yeah. I I guess Fortnite counts as the bastard of the week. That's uh <laughs> Hey, yeah, hey, we brought the segment back. Hey, we and did it's it. Fortnite. It's Fortnite. It's just Fortnite as a game, as a concept, as a, a uh, cultural really. sort of entity. Yeah, really an early villain in the history of the podcast. Just yeah. Fortnite as a concept. I love being old enough to just be constantly kind of upset about Fortnite. It's really, it's good. Yeah, we're allowed. <laughs> we're allowed. It's like... If Zenny Zoomer's you... listening, fuck you. Go floss about it, you little freaks. Yeah, sorry. We're allowed to do it because <laughs> of wisdom. That's right. All right. We should probably wrap it up here. Um play hollow knight don't play fortnite don't go to the uh martin luther king exhibit in uh hollow nest don't do that what well, they've got they've got bug martin luther king <laughs> uh, i don't know uh, follow me on twitter it's k and skittles uh, follow me on youtube also you do it do it you can find K on YouTube and Twitter. You can also find me on YouTube and Twitter at Labor Kyle with Labor spelled the American way. And USA. Join join me on my journey to um put the uh the Alamo in World of Warcraft. <laughs> um, that's my new project. We're um. We're <laughs> oh no! There's gonna oh fuck! There's they're gonna do a Holocaust memorial at some point, right? In Fortnite, oh. like they're definitely gonna do it. I don't know if I'm ready. I, mean, I don't know if I'm ready for it. I'm not. Or they're gonna recreate the fucking memorial and. Some, oh god, I can't even go into that. I can't even. I can't. I can't. Yeah, of course they're gonna do it. Of course they're gonna fucking. <laughs> no, like real conversation. Of course they're going to fucking do that. They are going to do. You are going to be able to put on a VR headset and walk through a Holocaust memorial at some point. Like that is going to happen. Oh, we need to stop talking. We're yeah. aiding in its manifestation. We can't. I can't withstand the darkness. It's, the ep- the episode is over. Oh, the episode yeah. is that over. Episode episode fucking over. <laughs> All gamers are bastards.
Ah, spaghetti. Ah, ravioli. Ah, mamma mia.